0: And grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Jessica Dumas Coaching and Training and the Confidence and Communication Podcast is overflowing with appreciation to our first podcast sponsor, The Johnston Group, Inc. The Johnston Group provides employee benefits to more than 30,000 businesses across Canada. Thank you so much for supporting my vision and investing in the podcast. Please accept my extreme gratitude, which will help get the message of self-love healing and growth out to a greater audience. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I feel like it's been a while, but it's just it's the same typical time that I record my podcast. This week was wild. I had a three day conference that I was the MC at and I attended and it was incredible and I'm going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you about why I love MCing. I'm going to tell you what I learned about myself. I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff. But the first thing that I want to share with you is if you're in Winnipeg, I have two events coming up, March 23rd and 24th. March 23rd is a Confident Speaking full day course. So you get to be with me for a full day. It's at Robertson College at 180 Main Street. And the link is in my bio to register. And this is for you if you are someone who wants to practice speaking more confidently as a leader, speaking Maybe on stage, speaking in front of a crowd. Maybe it's just raising your hand at a meeting and speaking up about something that you believe in. And maybe it's something that you want to do for your career. Who knows? But I will guarantee you that this workshop and the next workshop that I'm about to tell you about is going to help you with showing up more confidently speaking. And you're going to make more money doing that because you're going to feel more confident to put your hand up and say, yes, I'm going to do that thing. Yes. This is why, this is what I believe in. And when you have that confidence, it echoes in all of the different areas of your life. The second workshop is March 24th. Same location, full day, same thing. It's facilitation basics. And this one is for you if you want to be a more engaging facilitator. So if you are doing any sort of training, if you are presenting at a conference or you want to start presenting at a conference or your boss or someone at work is like, okay, well, you're going to be presenting on this project. And you're just like, oh my God, not me. If that's you, then you should come to this workshop. This is going to help you be more engaging with your audience. I'm going to show you unlimited ways on how to get immediate feedback from people that are in the room. You're going to have an opportunity to practice it on the floor. And I'm going to give you 10 basics that you need to know for facilitating. So I love my one-day workshops. You are invited. So check out the link in my bio. And if you're in Winnipeg and you want to come to those, then you should be there. Okay, I want to tell you about the International Indigenous Tourism Conference. So I got to be the MC. It was a three-day event. And holy shit. This was probably the most exceptional event that I've ever done. The content was amazing. The organizers were amazing. I mean, like the staff and the like, actual management and the leadership of the organization itself. I truly love them. I worked with them from 2016-17. They had a whole planning team for the conference. Everything was incredible. The content the speakers, oh my God, I'm going to tell you all about it. And I'm so excited. The International Indigenous Tourism Conference is led by Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. As their name says, they facilitate, foster, nurture Indigenous tourism across the world. And so this was the biggest tourist, uh, Indigenous Tourism Conference in the world, And it was just amazing. Their theme was called Adventure to Understanding. It's really an opportunity to, to showcase some of the Indigenous tourism activities that are happening across Canada, but also to support those who are interested in providing a tourism experience and get exposure to an audience internationally. It was so wild. Like, honestly, I cannot say enough good things about this event and this group of people. There were cultural tours throughout the experience. I didn't get to attend any of those, but there were many incredible keynote speakers. who I'll tell you about lots of amazing panel discussions. There was breakout breakout sessions for people to, you know, learn tips and tools on the next step for them, for their business and you know, how to get your business to market all of that sort of stuff. But you know what? Like, Oh my God, it was incredible. So I want to walk you through the agenda, and then I have some questions um, or some points that I want to share with you that are going to tell you a little bit about the experience. So first of all, I want to say I love emceeing. I love being the host. I love being the MC of an event, and I love it because it's, it's about my personality. I get to show up, and I get to be me. I get to be the host. I get to show my enthusiasm for the event. I get to share my commentary and I'm always very careful. I don't want to share too much. It's not about me. I'm there to help boost and highlight the rest of the event. But ultimately, I'm hired because I'm me. I'm hired because I'm Jessica Dumas and I'm so good at what I do and I'm a very likable personality. And if you could see me right now, I would be doing a cheesy smile. And if this was on YouTube, I'd do that ching and you'd see like a little star shining in my teeth. But it's just, it's just audio right now. And actually that reminds me, I was going to record this on YouTube and I totally forgot. But I used to have a affirmation that got me to where I am today. And that affirmation is, I get to make lots of money just being me. I get to make lots of money just being me. And trust me, when I started saying that, I was like, okay, that feels weird. It sounds like bullshit. Like, how can that be true? But you know what? I get to make money just being me. So you can do it too. And I'm going to be a little bit shy about my money at the moment. And I'm not going to tell you how much money I made. But I will tell you this. It used to take me nine weeks to make as much money as I made in that three days. One of my friends told me it's going to take her almost four months to make that much money. And I don't, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I want you to know it's possible. I want you to know it's possible. So there's that. (laughs) I love being an MC. Another thing that I love about being an MC is I have no guilt about using a script because I should be using a script. I need to know who's up next, what's going on. Um, And not necessarily a script, but an agenda. My job as the MC is to know the agenda through and through. I go through the agenda as soon as I consider whether or not I'm doing this event. Like I go through step by step. And I actually used to event plan. I started this part of my career as an event planner. And so I'm very familiar with what needs to happen. And so I'll walk you through the agenda To get you a little familiar about what I mean. And I'm also so far in my career that I make up my own rules in so many different ways. But I know what I'm doing. I know what to expect. I know what event planners are looking for. I know what people who are organizing events want. And it's to highlight the event. And I'm truly in love with this organization. So that was super easy. So I'll walk you through the agenda a little bit and then I'll tell you about some of those experiences and then I'll tell you about uh, some of the other questions or um, points that I wanted to share. So on day one of the event, I didn't have to work, but I did get to attend. And during the day, there were some cultural tours. Again, I didn't get to attend, but they were, for the most part, they were all local. It was uh, visitors who were from all across Canada, the United States. New Zealand and Chile and other places they got to go around Winnipeg maybe outside of Winnipeg as well and they got to experience some of the operators the tourism operators what I did get to attend was an evening called the Taste of Turtle Island and it was a welcoming reception I got to bring my son Ethan And it was the first time that he ever came out with me. And that was definitely one of my favorite parts because I invite my sons to a lot of the events that I do. Any opportunity that I have to bring someone, I always ask my sons first. 99.9% of the time they say no. Well, maybe 100% of the time they say no. No. And this time around, Ethan's been in a really good mood. He's really feeling the spring. He's really feeling himself. And he asked me if he can come. And I was like, um, yeah, you can come. I'll figure it out. Because I didn't tell the organizers I was bringing anybody, but worked out perfect. It was a fantastic evening. It was at the RBC Convention Center. They had 11 chefs from across North America that were Off, they were indigenous, authentically indigenous, and they were offering indigenous dishes that they were preparing specifically for this event. And they had all of these different stations set up, and we just went from station to station trying all of this amazing food. It was incredible. It was outstanding. When we walked into the event, it was just incredible. It was beautiful. The lighting was right. There was music. There was entertainment. There was food and drinks. And oh my God, it was fantastic. And I had such a wonderful time with my son. On day two, so we started at 8 a.m. And we had an opening ceremony and a grand entry that was in partnership with Manitowabi. Manitowabi, if you don't know, is Canada's largest powwow festival celebrating First Nations art, music, culture, and dance. Manitowabi means where the creator sits. And so the first day of the conference, to kick it off, we had a grand entry. And so there's, I'm not going to go into explaining all of that stuff. I encourage you to Google it if you don't know what it is. But I got to read the grand entry. I got to introduce the elders, the drum group. Um We had a eagle staff. And we had a acrylic that was... Lit by an Inuk elder and it was incredible. And so they got to, um, they got to do the grand entry with the dignitaries and the sponsors and the staff and the leadership. And they would walk through the grand entry and it was beautiful. And I'd never had the opportunity to, to like read and announce a grand entry before. I feel like maybe I did once a really long time ago. But I don't remember if I did the whole thing. I can't remember what part. I mean, I've been involved in supporting grand entries many times, but to be able to read it and announce it at this event was so special to me. The grand entry was beautiful. And so my job is to like let the audience know what to expect. So when we have keynotes coming up, I need to introduce them. I need to introduce their name and their title, their organization. I need to give the audience a little bit of like, this is what to expect. When it's break time, I need to let them know what time we're coming back. I need to let them know during the break time, this is what we want you to do. We want you to uh, connect with people. We want you to check out the marketplace. We want you to blah, 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 and be back in the room at this time because this is when we're going to start. And that's my job as the MC. And my job is to do it in an exciting way. Um, one of the ladies that came up to me said, I love that you are as animated in person that you as you are online. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) I gave her a high five. I'm like, yeah, girl, like this, this is real. This is me. And so that's sort of like, I don't know how much to really go through the agenda, but that was incredible. I want to tell you about some of the really exciting things for me. On the first day, I had the opportunity to interview the Honorable Marie Sinclair. And so again, if you're not in Canada and you don't know who Marie Sinclair is, I'm going to encourage you to Google it if you so choose, because the Honorable Marie Sinclair was... The first Indigenous judge in Manitoba. And um, he sat as a senator after he retired from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And after many chairpersons for the Truth and Reconciliation quit, there may have been three. Because they were just like, no, this is impossible. This work is not going to happen. Oh, I'm going to cry. Senator Sinclair was the one that believed in the work so much that he stuck to it. And the work that he did, and I got to tell him this on stage, that I secretly called him the man who fixed Canada. I didn't know I was going to be interviewing him. He came in, he had a 45-minute keynote time slot. And um, again, my job as the MC is as much as possible. I go up to the speakers in advance to say, hey, this is what's going on, you know, just so you know. And just to kind of remind them. Um, and plus, I know him personally, and I adore him. So I wanted to say hello. And so I don't remember if it was him or if it was one of the organizers that told me um, he he just he wants to sit, you know, he's just at that place in his life where he's like, I'm not standing up for 45 minutes. So good for him. He said he just wants to sit and um, he wanted to do a Q&A. And so we were using Slido, which is a conference app that you can use. I've used it many times where the audience can download the app, enter a question, and then it would come up on my iPad that I had. And so in the midst of him sharing a few of his comments and reflections on the work that he has seen on Truth and Reconciliation calls to action, now that the calls to action have been released for eight years, so he shared a little bit about that. It was very emotional. Everyone loves this man. Like, this man is to be cherished and honored. Um, he has just sacrificed so much of himself as a human being, as an Indigenous leader, just for, for the sake of love and caring and kindness. And he's just a beautiful, beautiful human being. And so he shared a little bit. And then, um, and then it was time for Q&A. And I knew I, knew I was going to have this opportunity. Like I knew for an hour that I was going to have this opportunity. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about? Because we usually have to wait a couple of minutes before the questions start coming in for the keynote or sorry, uh, on Slido. And so I told him that. And I, I opened up by saying, do you remember the first time that you and I sat together one-on-one? And he just kind of looked at me like, where is she going with this? And I reminded him that I invited him to a restaurant for breakfast. It was called Nietzsche Commons. It was probably 2016, 17. And we ordered breakfast. Our breakfast came. We were doing, you know, just our chatting and catch up and that sort of thing. Checking in with her families and stuff. And after our food came and we were, you know, our tummies were getting comfy. He said, So what did you want to talk to me about? And in that moment, I realized I don't really have a question. And I said, I just wanted to have breakfast with you. And I, when I think back, I don't know if I had a question. I think I just needed to, because of the work I was doing at the time, I was doing indigenous awareness training and I, I got criticism from one person just one single person and that was the first time that I got that so it was really an adjustment for me to um, process it and I think I just needed to hear from him or just have his like personal kindness to just support me as a person and I said I just wanted to have breakfast with you and as I was telling him that I said you have always been so generous you're generous with your time, you're generous with your career, you gener- your family is generous with you. and I looked out at everyone, and I said, "And we are so appreciative of everything that you've done, because it's for all of us, it's for our families." And then he said, "Well, that makes me feel bad because there's so much broken about Canada, and he's modest, but that was so special, it was so special. Another highlight was, again, like, so we started getting some of the questions through Slido and I was sharing some of the questions with him and he was answering them and stuff. And at one point, just to sort of like fill the time, I said that he had a beautiful pen with him. Or I think I asked him, one of the questions I asked him was, I I noticed you have a few items that I imagine you take everywhere with you. If you needed to pack up your stuff right now and go to an Indigenous experience anywhere in Canada, which would it be? And honestly, I don't even remember what his answer was. Because after he answered it, I said, By the way, you have a really beautiful pen. And one of my goals in my career is to be able to find a really good pen. Like I said that sincerely. And then as a joke, I said, And one that I can afford. And so we finished our conversation. And before we ended, he handed me his pen. And I know it sounds silly. But first of all, it's a beautiful pen. It's it's a gold pen. It's like a thick, solid, like beautiful pen. It has a little dragon on the front. I think it would be a dragon. And then it has these um, red little, I want to say sapphires as the eyes. It's beautiful. And I I looked at him and I was like, what? And he looked at me and he's like, yes. And then after we were finishing, um, his daughter – Danae came up to the stage to to help him because she's, oh, his family is so beautiful. Danae, I love you. If you get to listen to this, I, I just, I love you. You and your family are incredible. And I showed her the, I'm like, look, because I felt bad. I was like, I don't think I can take this. And she's like, he's got like five of those. Like, go ahead. Oh my God. That was, it was so beautiful. And then like, the words that came from people afterward, like first of all, um Keith, who is the CEO of ITAC, he said to me, I didn't know we were going to get to do that. Otherwise, I would have liked to have been the one to sit there and interview him. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I got to do that. After we took a break, people came up to me and they were like, it was almost like you guys were sitting in a living room just having tea and we got to just be there and listen. And it was just, it was so beautiful. One other funny point that I have to mention is I really wanted to keep him up there just because, like, first of all, he's the keynote. Everyone loves him. He's retired. Everything that he gets invited to, he says no for the most part. Like, very seldom is he going out to do this anymore. So this was so, so special. And the fact that I got to interview him was so, so special. Oh, my heart is just so warmed by that. So at one point I said to him, I looked around, I, and I said that, you know, when we were out for breakfast together, we didn't have a thousand people watching because there's literally a thousand people in the audience. I said to him, what do you think would happen if we went overtime? <laughs> he crossed his fingers between each other and looked around. He goes, I don't give a damn. And the whole room just burst out in laughter. And it was the cutest thing because it doesn't matter what he says. Like, he could come up there. Oh, (laughs) and I acknowledge this too. Like, he had three standing ovations throughout his keynote. And everything he said, everyone applauded. And I acknowledge that. I was like, do you realize this is what's happening? And, uh, like, Senator Sinclair, I doubt that you're going to listen to this podcast. I'd be embarrassed if you did. But it was such an honor. This was such an honor, and I'm so thankful for that, honestly, so thankful for that. Wow, it's amazing. Um, And then day two, uh, we did another keynote, and then we broke out to sessions, so I didn't have to MC for a little while. No, I think that was that was it for the end of the day for me, because then there were breakout sessions that everyone went to, so I got to come home, I got to do my hair and put on a dress, and I came back for the... Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada's Annual Indigenous Tourism Awards Gala. And again, it was super beautiful. I got to bring my sexy, handsome date with me. It was a beautiful dinner. I didn't get to stay for the whole dinner. We left kind of early just because it was late and I was exhausted. And we just both had to... just made sense for us to leave early. Um But the setup, the people that were there, like... Is just high standard, high class. It was exceptional. It was totally exceptional. Entertainment, everything. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Fantastic. I loved it. So day three, I'll walk you through this. So this was my seven o'clock breakfast is when like everyone was starting to come in eight o'clock on stage to 5pm. So this was a really long day. Um, it was a lot of Well, actually, it was like less announcements because I didn't have the grand entry, which I did on day two. Day three was introducing a lot of panels and just kind of getting people familiar with what discussions were going to be taking place and that sort of thing. And so there was a lot of that throughout the day. Oh, I got to meet the speaker named Justin Kingsley. He was also super cool. And what I loved about him is he's just like this, like, I don't give a shit about anything kind of guy. This is what I think. And I really love that about him. But he did a session called What's Your Story? And then he actually did a breakout session. And I got to check it out for a little bit. So there was one block of breakout sessions. And then after that, everything on the agenda started changing. And that's another thing that you got to expect as an MC is things are going to change. And you need to be on your toes. I ended up doing another interview and I did it, this was later in the day and it was with a woman named Panya Tyson Nathan and she's the CEO of New Zealand Maori Tourism and, oh, adorable. She also had an hour. She spoke for about 30 minutes or so, just sharing some of her reflections and experience and uh it was so much fun. And then we did a, a very similar Q&A. Of course, it wasn't as emotional or as... as um personal as it would have been with senator sinclair but i i'm pretty good at what i do so i introduced myself to panya i got to tell her a little bit about i grew up in winnipeg i was born here i lived here my whole life but i'm actually from treaty 2 territory I talked to her a little bit about that told her about my favorite tourism location in winnipeg which is called the odena at the forks And uh just explained a little bit about that. And then I got to do some closing keynotes, or sorry, I got to do some closing comments. And then I closed out my comments around 4.30. And then after 4.30, the ITAC CEO went up and and then it was just like his final comments and announcements and there was entertainment to close. So in my closing notes, I told the audience that... Working with ITAC has always been exceptional, their standard and everything that they do is always high. And it's been such a pleasure for me to work with them. The team, the planning and organizing team was just exceptional. Uh, the organization itself, I'm just a huge fan. And I got to just say thank you so much for this beautiful experience, because it really was outstanding. So much that like I never do a full podcast on an experience after like emceeing an event, but this one was that good. A couple of other things that I wanted to mention about it is I love that this particular event, this particular organization is like the complete opposite of what I've learned about growing up, about being an Indigenous person. What I learned about being an Indigenous person growing up that I was, I was poor. Um, there were people that looked like me that lived on the street. People that looked like me were alcoholics. There are still, um, Indigenous people across Canada take up 5% of the population and still take up over 70% of the prisons. We have a child and family welfare system that is full of Indigenous kids, like 11,000 children. I believe in Manitoba are in child and family services, we have residential school impacts that are still affecting our families' lives, and affecting my life in many ways. Um, I don't have a relationship with my mom. That's one of the ways. Like, so a lot of what I grew up knowing, learning and believing about Indigenous people was all negative. And it was all, you know, all of the barriers and everything that I had to overcome being my truth because it's so easy for people to say, yeah, that's my truth. And, um, you know, there, there are girls that I went to school with that are dead. There are girls that I went to school with that are in jail. There are girls that I went to school with that are missing. I had family members that are missing and murdered Indigenous women. Like it's not easy being an Indigenous person and what indigenous tourism association of canada does in this international conference what this does is it highlights first of all like oh my god and i totally skipped over this not intentionally but we had a a presentation by a delegation that went to rome so there was um a group of first nation leadership that went to rome in 2022 to seek an apology from the Pope, and they played some video, oh my god, it was so emotional, they played some video from the experience, um, they told their stories, they redid the dance that they did in front of the, the Pope, and the performances that they did while they were there, and it was so emotional, and I was crying, and I was like, how am I going to go up after this, and speak, It was so emotional. And they ended up getting the apology, like not them particularly, but to Indigenous people overall. The Pope the next day came out with an apology. And so Indigenous tourism, like what they're doing is they're highlighting that Indigenous people are still here. And the reason that threw me to the Pope's apology was uh, one of the talks was it didn't work. Like all of the work of the residential schools and the work of of the Indian Act like all of the horrible things that they had done to indigenous people like my own community Kisikunan First Nation community was um, and many of the parks in Canada the national parks the First Nation communities their families, their teepees, their whatever, I don't know if they actually live in teepees at the time it was happening, but um, their homes were literally burnt down, and the people were forced out by gunpoint in order for the national parks to be created. And so now, tourism is, like, indigenous tourism is highlighting, we're still here, we still have our culture, we still have our language, and... (laughs) Like we're doing amazing things. And they are like I I'm not even gonna go through an example of where or like what the particular um experiences are, but I will share that that ITAC does have a partnership with Travel Manitoba and you can go to travelmanitoba dot com slash indigenous experiences or you can just Google Manitoba indigenous experiences and you can find, um, like what's happening in your community. If you're in Manitoba, if you're somewhere else and you can just Google indigenous experiences or indigenous, ex- um, experiences, indigenous tourism, and then your, your city. But that's why I love it because it's good news stories. Like some of these, um, Experience operators or turi- tourism operators. Like, this is their livelihood. They're taking people out on the land. They're like giving them these world class tours that are just like exceptional and life changing. And everything is beautiful and natural and like going back to, you know, days before everything got fucked up. And you know they're raising their families that way. Kids are getting to grow up this way, and it's just it's the most amazing, beautiful thing and uh you know that's oh, uh, so I worked with indigenous tourism um in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen or and then, <laughs> throughout the past few days, there's been a few times where I was like, "Fuck, why did I ever leave like they Oh my god, love, love, love this organization. So, yeah, those were a couple of amazing highlights. Um, how I prepared for it is just really know your script, know what segment you're in, know what's happening with each segment. Does, uh, who's coming up? What is it that they need? Are they moderating a panel? Do they know they're moderating a panel? Do they know how much time they have? Is there a clock timer? Who's going to let them know when their time's up? Like, there's all of these questions that I have with the, or uh, the stage manager before I go up. Um, questions that I like to ask in advance is like, what kind of mics do you have available? Um, is there going to be a seat for me to sit? Where do I enter and exit the stage? Where are the speakers entering and exiting the stage? That sort of thing. Um, but I want to, I want to share, like, how I felt afterwards. So this is what I really learned about myself for events. the last few events, um what has happened, especially if it's like a full day or longer, I find it really hard to eat because I what I should have done this time around, I've done it in the past, and this time it just slipped my mind, is I should have asked for my food to be brought to me because a lot of it was buffet style. And so by the time I got to my food, it was uh, like they were out of toppings and like I basically just had a flat piece of bannock with some meat on it with just a little bit of meat because the first day was bannock tacos and they looked delicious but by the time I got there everything was gone so I didn't have a lot to eat and I kind of know that's going to happen and sometimes I prepare for a little a, a little bit of it. So, for example, what I did do this time was I did bring some protein drinks, like just the pre-made protein drinks, and I bought my own big glass for water because, of course, the conference glasses are just little wee bottles of water. But what I should have done is I should have brought myself more, um, like, protein actual foods. Um, And what I'm going to do next time is I'm going to bring myself, like, actual Gatorade because I don't get to drink enough water and I don't get to eat enough proper food. So I need more fruit um, and like food and beverages that are going to nourish me that are not uh, like just munching on carrots or pieces of bread because that's what I ended up doing because I'm so busy and I'm so focused on my script and my agenda. I want to make sure that I'm you know giving the best value and so what i have what i ended up doing this time around and what i've done before is i'm not like putting my body and my nutrients and my nourishment first and so i really learned that about myself and so now i know how to prepare and it's funny after all of this time not realizing that but now i know what to do um so i'm going to be doing a few talks and one really, this, I have another three day event. This can be a full three day event coming up. It's in a couple of months, but I'll be traveling for that. And that's another thing is when I'm traveling to do those really long events, it becomes even more challenging because I can't just go to the grocery store and grab my own things. For example, last year I did a three day event. Fabulous. Oh my God. It was, see, the indigenous organizations are my favorite because the Lands Advisory Board is another one. That is, it's just like, my reaction is just like this. Like, I love those events. They're also just like really high energy and the content is just fabulous. But because I do them and I'm not in Winnipeg, they're often at a resort somewhere. So I don't have my vehicle. I can't just jump in a car, go in the grocery store and grab all of the nutrients and the nourishment things that I want. So I'm going to have to make a plan for when I go to um, Montreal in July. But the other thing, and this is like TMI warning too late, but here's the TMI, is I had the worst period of my life on day two. So this was the day that I was on stage from 8am to 3pm and um, the worst period of my life. And I'm going to do some tapping and (laughs) manifesting that I never have my period on an event again and just to to release that, (laughs) release all of that from uh, being a part of my body because my flow was so heavy. I had to wear like this super, it's like a super ultra tampon and a pad. And I had to go and change every hour. It was nuts. It was nuts. And I literally, like I even ran out of tampons because who the hell knew that I would ever have to Operate under something like that. So by lunchtime, I think it, no, it was by the morning. It was late morning and I went to tell the organizer, I need tampons. I need these ones, blah, blah, blah. I'll have enough for two hours, but by the end of lunchtime, this is what I need. And then they went to go and get me some tampons and they didn't get the right ones because they didn't have them at the store, but that was wild. Um, and I pulled through, but because of that, that morning, was so rough. I had the worst, like the worst start that I've ever had at such a big event because that morning I was shitting on myself so bad. Again, not not deliberately shitting on myself, just <laughs> I wore a beige suit, which I loved. So glad I went to get that suit. I went to buy the pants and the top, and I actually left without the jacket. And I was texting. I can't remember who I was texting with. And they were like, go back and get the jacket. And I was like, I think I should go back and get the jacket. And I'm so glad that I did. I loved the suit. But it was a beige suit. And so I was so paranoid about wearing that suit with my period being that heavy. And I knew I had a script. I knew once I went in, like it's grand entry, I just need to follow it. But because of the way that my body was Like having this really massively heavy period and the whole like stress that comes upon your body when you have your period, because I had all of that at the same time, I was telling myself, I'm not ready. I can't do this. I'm going to leak through my suit. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like I was really shitting on myself. And so then when I went up on the stage, I was not ready. I felt like shit. And I mean, I say I wasn't ready. My body wasn't ready. My spirit was like, yeah, bitch, we're doing this shit. Like get your ass up there. And I was up there, but my like there was literally a fight between my energy and my body, and my body was just like, "I'm gonna fall, like I'm not, I can't stand here." And then my <laughs> spirit is just like, "This is what's going on, and I'm about to read the script, and blah blah blah." Um, it was it was wild. So it took me, it probably like, um, it took me at least ten minutes to like snap out of it. No, maybe it was less. It took me like. Four or five minutes to snap out of it. Um, no, that's even too much. It was, it was quick. It was like a minute. Cause once I started talking, then I'm, then I'm okay. Like my body knows what to do. My energy knows what to do. I knew I wanted to be there. I was so excited to be there. But my, like my period was really taking over my body and it scared me. I didn't feel good. I was so upset with myself because of all of that. But I came through, I came through and everything was fine. But in that moment, like within that couple of minutes, because everything happened so quick, and it it feels like a really long time. That's why at first I was thinking 10 minutes, but I realized no, it wasn't 10 minutes. But right before I went up on stage, someone was giving me a lot of information. And I immediately I was like, like, my body is in crisis right now, I can't take on any new information. And I, I said, thank you, but I'm not going to remember any of that. And I tried to write it down. I tried to write down one or two things on my notes that I thought would be important for me to share. And I don't even think I said it because like literally my body was in crisis. And that was fucking bizarre. I'd never experienced anything like that. It was honestly the worst period of my life. And like never do I go up to the stage manager and say, Hey, FYI, I'm having the worst period of my life. So if I disappear, I'm like in the toilet. I'm, I'm, yeah, my body is in crisis. Fucking crazy. Ugh. So, um, I made it with the suit. <laughs> the suit was fine. Um, and then even on the second day, my, the second day was a lot lighter, but it was still. Um, I still had to go back and forth to the bathroom a bit, not as much. But then on that evening, I was wearing a light pink dress because it was just a, I had a date. I had a sexy hot date. And, um, I wanted to wear that dress. And, uh, I was a little worried about it, but it all worked out. It all worked out. Overall, fucking fantastic. Like, I'm on such a high. From this experience, I got such great feedback. People were coming up to me consistently introducing themselves to just tell me that you, you did a fantastic job. You're doing a great job. You, you're outstanding up there. People were sending me DMs and just telling me like, wow, the organizers were saying, thank you so much. Thanks for accommodating all the changes. You're doing a great job. I can't imagine this event without you. I got so, so much great feedback. So, so excited. So I got a couple of photos so far just from my my own cell phone because my son came with me and I asked him to take some video so I could use it for my reels, you know. Hopefully I will get some really good shots from the photographers once the organization gets their um, photos and I'll get to share that. But I don't always get to share the photos because – I'm not the star of the show, so I don't often get a lot of photos when I'm doing MC work, which, I mean, is totally fine, but I'm going to start asking for them. Because one of my friends said, wow, look at you, you're doing it, or something like that. And I was like, uh, bitch, I've been doing this for years. This is just the first picture that you happen to see. You know how many pictures I got that you're not looking at, bitch? Just kidding. Love you all. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this experience. Oh... It was such a great time. And I got paid to do this shit. So if you want to do this shit, I offer one-on-one coaching. Send me a DM on Instagram. There's an application link in my bio. And there's a link to work with me in the show notes. I love you. I love you. I love you. See you next week. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the podcast. Miigwech, Ecose merci. I want to take every opportunity that I can to tell you that you are worthy. And if something in this message resonated with you, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And send a link to your sister, your best friends, and your cousins, because if there was something in this message that resonated, then they might want to hear about it too. If maybe taking a screenshot is your thing, share it on your Instagram story. And don't forget to take me at jessicadumas.ca.